Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. All right. Welcome, everybody. My name is Joe McCall, and I am the host of the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Been doing that podcast since 2011. And I've also been full-time in real estate since 2009. And I started studying real estate in 2001. Really started buying houses in 2006 at the height of the market. You know, nothing bad would ever happen in real estate. Real estate always goes up in 2005 and six, And then the market crashed and I made a... Um, a ton of mistakes, made a, bought a lot of bad deals, and yeah, kind of sucked, right? Yeah, I've told my story a hundred times. But I quit my job in 2009, a year after the market crashed, and had I found that there was a lot of opportunity out there. I just refused to let fear control me. And uh, so I wanted to um, kind of share some things that I've been thinking about a lot. I just got back from Colorado, and I was there for a week. We just planned this trip about a week earlier. So two weeks ago, we decided, let's just go to Colorado and let's get out of Dodge. <laughs> and we went to Colorado before anything and everything was really shut down. So while we were there, just kind of briefly looking at the news once in a while, pretty much they started shutting everything down. And our church, for example, stopped stopped having services and started doing everything virtual. But we were in Colorado and it was nice because we were disconnected. You know, I couldn't get on the phone. The self, There's no cell phone coverage where we were. We were at this really beautiful 8,500 acre ranch kind of north of Winter Park, Colorado. And we just hung out there. It was a huge ranch, you know, fully catered, everything done for you, take care of you and all of that. And it was really nice. I had a blast. My kids, I have four kids. It was just a really, really nice, well-needed vacation for our family. And sure enough, all the ski resorts closed when we, um, the, the, the ranch itself was going to close a day or two after we left. But it was nice to just get away and disconnect. And I spent a lot of time thinking, I spent a lot of time thinking about what are we at in the market now and what's going to happen and how, who has the answers and who doesn't. And I spent a lot of time actually, because we drove too, I had a, I had enough miles to get a free flight with Delta. And so I had round trip flight planned for all six of us, but my son had like this little minor cough and I was worried that people were going to be freaking out on the plane if my 14 year old son is coughing. Right. So I called Delta and I said, Hey, can we just cancel or reschedule our flights, give me a credit for another time. And they they kindly refunded my money. So we rented a car and we drove out there, which is about a 14-hour drive. Anyway, so I spent a lot of time driving there and driving back from St. Louis, thinking about the market, what's going on in real estate. And I spent a lot of time listening to podcasts and videos and no, not reading articles while I was driving, but reading articles the last couple of days, just thinking about, man, he goes, hey, what, what can I share with people that will help them? And then there's, you know, you go on YouTube and Facebook right now, there's a million people doing videos and, and sharing stuff that is helpful. And you've probably heard a lot of this before from other people, but I just want to do my part to encourage you and to help you guys and tell you kind of where I'm thinking and what's going on in, in my world. Because I'm actually looking at this whole situation that's going on and asking myself a real simple question. Where's the opportunity going to be? Where is the opportunity going to be? And my son is better, by the way. Some of you are asking. And yeah, he's doing great. Okay, so 
How would you like some good news first? Are some of you tired of all the bad news? I just saw this Instagram post last night from Dave Ramsey. And if you see my screen here, that's great. If not, I'll just do my best to kind of read what I'm saying here. But Dave Ramsey posted this. It's a good news. And he also gives the the sources where these came from. Number one, uh, China has closed all 16 temporary coronavirus hospitals in Wuhan, and they don't have enough new cases to support them. Also yesterday, I saw on the news that for the first time since this whole virus broke out, there was not a new case of coronavirus in Wuhan. Uh, That was yesterday. All right. Doctors in India have successfully treated an Italian COVID-19 patient. The combination of drugs used include lopinavir, whatever, whatever, and whatever. Okay. Another good news, a team of 10 scientific researchers, researchers from the Erasmus Medical Center in Rotterdam and Utrecht University. Where is that? I don't know. They say, though, that they are the first in the world to discover an antibody capable of fending off an infection of coronavirus. The discovery could lead to an antiviral medication. All right. That was post picture number one. Picture number two, a 103-year-old Chinese grandmother has made a full recovery from coronavirus after being treated for six days in Wuhan, China, where this whole thing started. Apple has reopened all 42 of its retail stores in China. By the way, let me say this too. I was listening to one of these guys that I follow, and he was talking to his friend, who has a large company that makes candles. He sells candles in the United States. And in the last week, everything in his supply chain is back up and running now. Now, things still are taking time to get back to where they were, but all of these candles were made in China. And as of the last week, you know, the manufacturers and suppliers of shipments and things like that have been back to normal. In fact, I just ordered some new camera equipment and I was hoping I could have it ready for this webinar so I could show off my new fancy camera and the lighting and all of that. But anyway, there was this part that I ordered about two or three parts from China and they were delayed about three weeks. But while we were gone, I got these parts, their camera parts right from China. They were shipped from China. So they, you know, I'm getting things here. Also, I was at the grocery store yesterday and um, they were in stock with everything except for toilet paper and eggs. <laughs> a few, some other things too, like bread was really, really low, but they had enough bread. And yeah, there are some other things that were running low too, but I was pleased to see this. I mean, being in Colorado, kind of in the middle of nowhere, sheltered for a while, I was worried that the grocery stores would be empty, but there was a ton of produce, a ton of meat. I bought a bunch of food while I was there. All right. Also, the other thing here from Dave Ramsey, the Cleveland Clinic has developed a COVID-19 test that gives results in hours, not days. And if you're, if you don't see my screen here, this is all coming from news sources like the BBC and Fox and NBC and ABC, New York Times and stuff like that. Good news from South Korea. The number of new cases is declining. And then I don't know if this is good news, but the, Dave thought it was right. And but by the way, regardless of your opinion of Dave Ramsey, I know some of you like him, some of you hate him. He's really polarizing. I think he's a good dude. So some of you, I'm just saying that because you may not like him, but whatever. One of the reasons why Italy was hit so hard, experts say, is because they have the oldest population in Europe and the second oldest population on earth after Japan. Did you know that? Well, now you do. So I don't know if that's encouraging or not, but one of the reasons why it is so bad in Italy is because um, they're so old. Multiple potential coronavirus vaccines are currently in development and testing with at least three in the United States. That's from NBC News. Uh, Something else from Fox in Washington, D.C. The first three people to test positive for coronavirus in the state of Maryland have recovered and are able to resume their normal lives. And the three include a married couple in their 70s and a woman in her 50s. And also, if you're a Tom Hanks fan, he's a cool dude. Him and his wife, they posted something on Instagram the other day that they're doing fine. Uh, They were kind of sick just with uh, flu symptoms, but they're doing a lot better now. 
Another thing from the New York Post, a team of Canadian scientists have successfully isolated and grown copies of the coronavirus, bringing the world a step closer to finding a vaccine. A San Diego biotech company is developing a coronavirus vaccine in collaboration with Duke University and the National University of Singapore. And then finally here, the first person to test positive for coronavirus in Oklahoma has recovered. This individual has two negative tests, which is an indicator of recovery. So, you know, I just wanted to share some positive news with this whole virus stuff. Okay. Now let's talk about some big picture things. And I'm going to do my best to kind of go through this. I have a lot of stuff to cover and I will find a way to give you this mind map if you want it. I'll do my best. Okay. And some of you, I've seen the comments here. You're saying, thank you for sharing. I appreciate this. If the sound is coming in and out, please let me know. And some of you are correcting my pronunciations of the universities that I got all wrong. So thank you for that. I'll do my best to uh, share the mind map with you. All right, so let's talk about some big picture stuff, right? Every crisis comes with an equal amount of opportunity. And this is really, really important. Write that down, underline it. Every crisis comes with an equal amount of opportunity. I'm going to be talking about this letter later too. Wealth and money just does not disappear. It transfers. Money, wealth does not disappear. It transfers. It's leaving the stock market right now, but it's going somewhere else, right? There are companies that are doing really poorly right now, but it's going somewhere else. And there's companies that are doing really, really well. There's certain aspects of real estate investing that are going to be doing bad now, but there's other aspects of real estate that will be doing good in the future. So when crisis strikes like it is now, there is opportunity out there. And this is my whole goal of this webinar is to help you find the opportunity and help you start asking the right questions, okay? So with every crisis comes an equal amount of opportunity and all depends on how you react to it. This is the time to keep your eyes open, not shut down in fear, hiding your head under the sand. It's time to now keep your eyes open and understanding that this too shall pass. It's just a matter of when. Okay. So there are two very, very important rules here. Number one, time is your friend. And number two, emotion is your enemy. Let me kind of explain this again. Number one, time is your friend. Number two, emotion is your enemy. Time is everything when it comes to being prepared for a crisis, right? No one knows how long this thing will last. Maybe this will all blow over in a couple months. Maybe it won't. Maybe this is a slight blip. You know, maybe it's something more major, but there's one single fact that we know is we don't know how this will all play out right? So you need to detach yourself from your own bias. You just don't know the future and you've got to admit it. You have to be aware of this. Like, And if you are overly optimistic and think that, you know what, this is all just a big hoax. It's a conspiracy. It's not really that bad. It's not a big deal. And it's just going to blow over in a few weeks. Or you could be a lot more pessimistic and think this is the end of the world. The world's falling apart. The sky really is falling. And this is depressing and you're just going to fall into this huge depression. Well, both sides are probably wrong. Okay. Somewhere in the middle, maybe, but who knows? And I'm just wanted to tell you that it's okay not to know. You just don't know the future. Detach yourself from your own bias. Okay. Stop thinking that it's going to be the worst and stop thinking that it's going to be the best. Uh, you need to prepare for both. You need to prepare for both best case and worst case scenarios. You know, the saying, Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. So don't be overreactionary. Just calm down and be okay with not knowing what's going to happen because time is your friend. The more time you can give yourself in your business, the more likely you're going to be able to be prepared and recover. More time gives you the ability to make better, more strategic decisions, all right? More time to make better adjustments and make the right moves. Does that make sense? Now, 
while time is your friend, emotion is also your enemy because fear is going to cripple your business. Fear drives short-term decisions. Short-term decisions driven by fear cause long-term problems. During these times of fear and panic, people become irrational. And most people follow emotions rather than logic. Does that make sense? So don't let emotion control you. Emotion is your enemy. Don't let the fear of what could happen affect your decisions. Because again, short-term decisions cause long-term problems. People are going to be irrational and it's just not who, what, we just have to decide today that's not what we're going to do. So it's time to look for opportunities, kind of like a wildfire, you know, when there's a fire, a crisis burns down the weak, not the W-E-E-K, the weak, W-E-A-K, and it allows new life to grow. All that new space creates an opportunity for new businesses and ideas to flourish, okay? And tons of business have started in big recessions. All of these companies started after the crash of 2008. Airbnb, well, they're not maybe doing that great now, but, you know, it was doing great and it'll come back. Uber, WhatsApp, Pinterest, Slack, Stripe, and there's a dozen other companies. These are big tech companies that started when the market crashed because of opportunities that they were out there looking for. Now, the other thing I want to talk about is your mind will find whatever you focus on. If you focus on fear, you're going to find scary things, but you can also focus on opportunity. So let's just decide right now, we're going to focus on opportunity because there's a lot of it out there. And you know, I'll talk about this in a minute, but that book, Who Moved My Cheese? We need to know where the cheese is going to and follow it. So how can you use this to find empathy for your customers and not take advantage of them? So I want to be careful and explain this because I'm not talking about how to take advantage of people. I'm not talking about how to take advantage of this situation in the negative terms. I'm saying like, how can we find opportunities that can help us or allow us to find empathy for the people that we serve like our customers, right? How can we, it's like asking things like, how can I serve them more? How can I serve them better? Don't pretend to just ignore the problems with your customers and hope it goes away. Start asking questions like, what can I do to make my customers' lives a little easier? You know, your buyers and sellers in your business or whatever business you're in, what can you do to make their life a little easier? And that's about finding empathy for our customers, right? Not taking advantage of them. So I just want to clarify when we're talking about new opportunities, I'm not looking for, I'm not talking about opportunities to steal a bunch of toilet paper and sell it for five times the amount I paid for it on eBay. That's not an opportunity that we want to be a part of. We're looking for opportunities in ways that we can serve people better and help them solve their problems. Okay. So some big things that I want to talk about in terms of big picture, there's some general principles, and then I want to go dive deeper into the the real estate stuff. But this kind of um, is more general mindset, all right, that relates to real estate. And we'll talk about it here as we go through this webinar and this podcast. But I want to talk about some basic general principles that are going to help you succeed in this time of crisis, okay? Number one, invest, don't save. Invest, don't save. There's a difference. Invest for the long term. Warren Buffett, his famous quote says, be fearful when others are greedy, but be greedy when others are fearful. So when people are fearful and they're letting their emotions determine their decisions and the market starts panicking. I just looked earlier today, what the market was down 26% in the last, is that year to date or the last 12 months? But it's significant, whatever it is, right? So it's time now to be greedy in the good sense of the word, not fearful. All right, so don't stop marketing. Your competitors have stopped marketing. It's time for us to double down on marketing. It's time to us for us to invest in our businesses. Now, I did this study recently of the Great Depression and, re- and some recessions in the past, and I was in New York City quite a couple, three, four months. This is November. 
So it's about five months ago. And I saw this image at the Rockefeller Center. And it's a picture of a guy during the Great Depression, right after the stock market crash, where he's trying to sell his car. And it looks like a real nice car. It looks like you know, he spent a lot of money on it. I don't know. But he has a sign on there that says, $100 will buy this car. Must have cash. I lost it all on the stock market. And he looks a little dejected. So I was thinking about that and thinking, man, that's kind of depressing. That's kind of sad. And I was reading down below that image at the Rockefeller Center. They were talking about Rockefeller. And let me read this to you because on Black Tuesday, October 29th, 1929, the stock market crashed. Boom turned dramatically to bust, triggering the Great Depression, the worst economic collapse in the history of the modern industrial world. And it lasted about four years. New York was hit especially hard with three quarters of a million people out of work. That's 750,000 people out of work in New York. Temporary shanty towns or Hoovervilles, as they were called, sprang up in Central Park and along the East River. But Rockefeller, by creating over 75,000 jobs, helped keep many people afloat during those dark days. And as in the Rockefeller Center there, if you've ever been there. It's this beautiful building. And he built that building during the Great Depression. And one of the reasons why, now he didn't, he did it to make a profit, to make money. But one of the reasons why is he was able to help all of these people that were unemployed with new jobs. And a lot of the wealthy people, the big titans at that time, Andrew Carnegie, Rockefellers, there's a couple others that I, their names are escaping right now. They doubled down and invested and created jobs for people. We can't rely on the government. Now, Study it for yourself. I want to encourage you. There's some links I have here in this mind map, but you can also just go to Google and do a Google search, go to Wikipedia, do a search for the Great Depression and read this. It's pretty fascinating to read what happened. Um, Do another Google search for what sectors did well during the Great Depression, what sectors did well during the Great Depression. And you'll find a lot of good articles in there about which kind of stocks and companies that did well. And as I did this search, I found this great article by a website called mentalfloss.com. And it was called Five Great Depression Success Stories. And if again, if you just go to Google and do a search for what sectors did well during the Great Depression, or go to Google and do a search for Five Great Depression Success Stories. This was an article back in 2009. So what, 11 years ago. And I thought it was really fascinating. And some of the things that, that this article talked about were these companies that survived and thrived during the Great Depression. And what did they all have in common? I started making some notes. Uh, number one, they had cash before the crash. Number Two, they had little to no debt. They used cash to buy assets at huge discounts. They spun or sold the assets for more cash. They lowered their prices. They increased their marketing. They diversified. They got creative with marketing and incentives, and they didn't forget the small guy. So these are some of the things I'm going to be talking about in this webinar. But notice these companies, they increased marketing. They diversified. They got creative with marketing and incentives. They didn't forget the small guy. In fact, they created a lot of more, they created a lot more products for the the, the people that needed it the most. Fascinating article, and you should read that. Okay. Now, number one, invest, don't save. Number two, grow, don't shrink. Grow, don't shrink. What do I mean by that? Well, you got to be careful with what you see now in social media and in the news. Why? Because you are what you consume. What you focus on will grow. Like I talked about before, if you focus on fear, then fear is going to grow in your mind and you're going to see whatever you're looking for. So sometimes, you know what, man, we just got to shut off the news. It's obnoxious. They're probably the main source of this panic. Sensationalism sells, right? Fear sells. It's always this flash news. And this was a problem before this crisis happened, right? But even it's even worse now. And it's you want to get depressed and discouraged, just look at the news, dive into social media, right? So 
I want to encourage you guys to grow, don't shrink. Your income will only grow to the extent that you grow. And how can you grow during times of uncertainty? Well, invest in your education. This is a great time, especially if you're at home now. Read some books, get some online courses, listen to more podcasts, watch more videos, things like this. Educate yourself. Whatever you do, don't binge on Netflix. Come on, are you serious? Turn the TV off. Take a walk outside, take some time to get some fresh air and spend some time thinking, which I had a lot of time to do while I was driving 15 or 16 hours each way. So I spent in the last week about 30, 32 hours in the car. I spent a lot of time thinking and listening to podcasts and stuff like that. And that's kind of, I think, maybe one of the reasons why I'm more optimistic. I'm kind of excited. I turn the TV off. I I don't watch the news. Occasionally, I'll look on it to see what's going on. But especially before you go to bed, the worst thing you could do is turn on the news, all right? By the way, it's a lot of you guys are doing that. If you are sh- if you're typing in your questions and comments, please keep on doing that. I will get through them and do my best to answer your questions. Um, and if you have some comments or things that you want to share based on what I'm saying, please type them in the comments, and I'm going to go through them here when my little webinar podcast is done. Related to that is the third thing: hoard positivity, not toilet paper. All right, it's all about perspective, guys. Listen. Our grandparents were called to go to war and pick up guns to defend our liberties, and we're fighting over toilet paper, and we're worried about washing our hands. Now, okay, I know you're supposed to wash your hands, don't touch your face, stay six feet away from anybody. I know, okay, I'm not I'm not saying don't do that, but where's our perspective? We need to be thinking like, ah, this is temporary, guys. Let's be grateful, and let's focus on the positive sides of things, okay? You can't win your outer game if you're losing the inner game. What does that mean? Well, you need to think about what's going on in your head, in your body. Eat, Start eating good food. Stop eating junk food. I was at the grocery store the other day, and I saw a guy hoarding a ton of Red Bulls. Now, maybe he was collecting Red Bulls because there wasn't any bottled water. I don't know, but I'm seeing a lot of bottled waters now in the stores. But yeah, I think maybe drinking a bunch of Red Bulls during this this time is not a good idea. Obesity, bad health kill way more people than any flu virus. So we need to double down. I'm talking to me as well. I'm talking to all of us. We need to double down on our health and our diet. We need to take vitamins. I drink a lot of this vitamin C, T stuff that helps boost my immune system. So think about this stuff. Get some sleep. Stop reading the bad news. Stop reading any news before you go to bed. Get some sleep. Start thinking about boosting your immune system, taking walks, and thinking about your inner game. I'm talking about your body more than just mentally, but your body, because when you don't have enough sleep, you don't, oh, drink water, right? Drink more water. None of us drink enough water. But when you take care of your inner self, your body, you're going to feel better and you're going to be able to spot the opportunities a lot better, right? And the other thing related to that is gratitude. Stop complaining. Be thankful. Instead of saying, you know, why is this happening to me? Start asking things like, how can I grow from this? What can I learn from this? Where are the new opportunities? Stop complaining. Find something to be thankful for because we all have things to be thankful for. And start asking yourself better questions. What can we learn from this? Where are the new opportunities? What? Where did the cheese move to? All right. The other thing here is be a producer, not a consumer. Your circle of influence needs you to be positive and encouraging. This is why I'm saying be careful with social media. You have people around you that you lead and you influence at work or at home, at church, in the community. You are a leader. If you are on this webinar, I'm just telling you right now, you are a leader. And I want to encourage you to be a producer, not a consumer, especially guys. If you have kids, teach them this stuff. Do you want your kids to be a consumer or a producer? One of the things my son, he just asked me if he could download some game for his iPhone. And they have to ask permission before they download games. I don't 
I, I hide the codes from them or whatever. And I had a, a stroke of brilliance. Why? Because I think I've been spending a lot of time thinking. And I said, you know what? Yeah, I'll download a game for you after you create a business plan. So we've been doing some land investing. Me and my two boys are 14 and 16, right? I said, I want you guys to create a business plan. And they're like, what is that? So I got to teach them a little bit about that. I actually found a book on Amazon about how to create business plans for teenagers. And I bought it. It's probably delivered by now. I'm not sure. I have to go check. But I said, listen, I want you to read the book create a business plan. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be on just one or two pages. And I want you to create a business plan. I want you to, I want my kids to be producers, not consumers that sit all day playing video games. I want them to create businesses, right? I want them to create jobs. And I want to encourage you as well. You're facing this with your family and your people that you're leading around you. Are they looking at you as a producer or as a consumer? You are required to step up and lead. People need leaders now more than ever. So it's time, guys, listen, it's time to show up and serve. You have a responsibility to you, your business, your team that you lead, and your customers. Now is the time to create a safe place to communicate with your audience. Show up, support them, let them know that you're here and help them in any way that you can. That makes sense? So let's do that. The other thing here, learn to identify problems and then solve them. As this situation evolves, there's new problems that are going to be emerging every single day. But as entrepreneurs, we are problem solvers. There's exciting, new, and innovative ways that people and businesses are adapting to change right now, right? As what we see going on, people are, companies are telling people to work from home. So there's new opportunities coming with companies like Zoom or GoToMeeting or LogMeIn, Skype, Slack, where people are now relying more on technology, things like we're doing right now. Um, So there's opportunities, right? Brick and mortar stores are offering specific hours for high-risk consumers. Restaurants and cafes are moving to takeout and to-go options. In fact, (laughs) on our way here, on our way back to St. Louis, we love On the Border Salsa. Who watching this or listening to this right now knows what I'm talking about. I mean, I love me some On the Border Salsa. It's it's chunky, it's spicy and hot, and it's really, really good, right? But there is no On the Border in St. Louis. So on our drive home, uh, we stopped in Kansas City and we were able to go to um, an On the Border restaurant and order big, two huge tubs of salsa to bring home with us, right? Oh yeah, some of you guys are telling me Yes, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, no, hey, listen, Ricky, I'm not talking about the on-the-border salsa that you buy at the grocery store. I'm talking about the fresh stuff that they make in their restaurants. It's a huge difference. So anyway, we were driving down to this area where wherever we're driving, uh, we stop here to buy some salsa at on-the-border, and all the restaurants out there were closed, right? But what is on-the-border doing? You can order by the phone, by their app. You can pick up stuff. And uh, even though the restaurant was empty, they were still selling food. So we were able to get some, right? So there's there's new and exciting ways that people and businesses are adapting to this change, right? Teachers are helping parents out at home. Uh, It's funny. We homeschool our kids, so we know what it's like, right? But there's a lot of funny memes right now going around the internet. And one of them is like now that parents are forced to be homeschooling there there's a there's a meme of a stay-at-home mom saying welcome to the jungle right (laughs) so it's kind of funny what's going on but like teachers are taking advantage of this opportunity and they're offering to help parents out at home offering virtual reading lessons right my daughter and is in dance right now and, and my other son's doing cello and the instructors are actually doing virtual sessions with our kids teaching them how to play the the music and to do dance and stuff like that virtually. So there's a lot of opportunity in innovative ways out there. Um, The point is this, times like these create innovation and creativity. And how you change and adapt 
to uncertain circumstances can have a huge impact on your business today and in the long run. So start making a list of problems that you're seeing right now and start asking yourself, how can you start solving them? Start coming up with solutions, not problems, solutions. People are living in fear right now, and they will happily pay for solutions that will provide them a sense of safety and security. And we'll talk about how this relates to the real estate business, because when you figure this out, you're going to make a lot of money. There's a lot of opportunity if you're somebody who has wired your brain to come up with solutions instead of problems. This is why it's so important to ignore the news right now, because all they do is complain about problems. I'm talking about the left and the right. Doesn't matter if you get your news from NPR or Fox News. It's funny the other day I heard a story. Bernie Sanders, you know where Bernie Sanders goes to get his conservative news? NPR. That's kind of funny if you don't want I'm talking about, right? So, but it doesn't matter, right? They all complain about the same thing. They blame other people for the problems. They blame President Trump. They blame China. They blame the left. They blame the right, the liberal media, the mainstream media, whatever. Like, let's let's forget about the problems. Let's look at solutions. Entrepreneurs, producers come up with solutions, not problems. As you do that, you're going to learn to pivot and you're going to insert yourself into the customer's internal, internal dialogue, right? For example, if you have Airbnbs right now, Maybe, you know, because a lot of you are going to Airbnb and look for homes. You know, a lot of them will show like really nice interior photos and stuff like that. But what if you went and bought some really nice air purifier sanitizer products and you did a bunch of extra cleaning and instead you featured these things in your listings in the first couple pictures, maybe in the first picture of your property, you show a bunch of hand sanitizer stuff, right? Or you show some pictures of your air purifiers that you have. Um, you, you, you make sure your cleaning company is doing extra clean things and you feature that in your Airbnb listings, right? I know Airbnbs took a huge hit right now, but there are still people traveling and people will start traveling again here soon. So how can you make yourself stand out? Well, start featuring things like cleanliness and air purifiers and sanitizers and cleaning products and how you do extra cleaning in your listings and in your photos, the first things that they see, because you will stand out. That's just an example of looking at this thing. If you have Airbnbs, instead of complaining about the problems that you're having with filling your units, think about how can I solve these problems? What are people concerned about? What are my customers freaking out about in in their head? Make sense? By the way, if you have an Airbnb, you should look at this as an opportunity because people rather stay in a hotel with 5,000 people in it, or would they rather stay in an Airbnb with just their family? Me, if I'm traveling, I'd rather have my own space. And I'm going to be talking about that later too. Uh, Be very, very careful with density investing. If you're looking for new things to invest in, you know, okay, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Prepare, not panic. You need to know your numbers. So I'm just, this is all kind of tying in together. I really don't want you to understand. It's important that you're not panicking, but you're preparing right now. You And, and to prepare, you need to know your numbers. You've heard the phrase uh, data, not drama, right? If you want to have a successful business, every business owner that I know who has a successful business, they know their numbers. They're not moved by drama. They're moved by data. I was in a mastermind one time and there were some really, really successful business owners there. And one guy who was there He said to me, Joe, if you don't know your numbers, you do not have a real business. I was like, oh, dang it. You're right. (laughs) So you need to know your numbers. Like how much current cash do you have on hand? How much cash do you have currently on hand? What's your current run rate? You know, at the rate that you're going, how much longer could you last if the money was shut off? Are you even bleeding cash each month? Uh, One of the things I did recently in my business, this was about three, four months ago. I knew my business was profitable. You know, we do deals. I'm a big publishing into publishing and information and podcasts and videos and books and stuff like that. And I sell software and I do coaching and consulting and 
all that good stuff. So I have like three or four or five different things that I have in my, going on in my business. And um, I'm profitable, making money. But just four or five months ago, I sat down and I looked at each of those things individually by themselves. And this is something I want to encourage you to do. Look at each of the different aspects of your business as a standalone business by itself. And how profitable do you really think you are in each of those things? And I guarantee you, if you've not looked at your numbers and you don't know numbers, you are going to be surprised. It's the whole 80-20 principle thing. 80% of your profits are going to come from 20% of your efforts. And 20% of your profits are going to come from 80% of your efforts. In other words, also another way to put that is 80% of your problems are going to come from 20% of your customers. So why not fire 20% of those customers, right? If 80% of your profits come from 20% of your business, why not drop everything else and just focus 100% on that 20%, how much more profitable could your business be? So I had a certain part of my business, I'm not going to go into the details, but I had a certain part of my business that was causing 80% of my headaches and hassles and where I was spending 80% of my time and I was getting frustrated. I thought it was profitable, but when I looked at it as a separate business all by itself, man, I was only making a little bit of money every month, like five to 10 grand, maybe a month. I thought I was doing a lot more than that, right? And the thing that was where I was most profitable, that I enjoyed the most, that was hardly spending much time in that, was doing really, really well. That's where most of my profits were coming from. So I want to encourage you when you're doing, if you're doing different kinds of deals, wholesaling or rehabbing or landlording or all that. Look at each of those as a separate entity, as a separate business, and look at the numbers and be completely honest with yourself. And ask yourself, how much is my true net margin on each of these things? Maybe it's even by deal. Look at your deals that you have going on right now if you're into rehabbing. And where does your biggest net profit come from? And you need to focus on that thing that is most profitable and get rid of everything else that is not profitable. And this is especially important right now as we're coming into this change in the housing market, okay? I really do believe this, and I'll talk about this more in a minute here. But this crisis with the virus thing, you know, that probably will pass. Uh, But another virus is going to come later on in a couple, three years. Don't forget, just a few years ago, we had the H1N1, you know, the swine flu. We had a mad cow disease and and, and a bunch of other viruses that have been in the past, right? So it'll be coming back again. But what's happening in the economy with the stock market market crashing 25% with all of these businesses closing and people out of jobs, uh, this is going to be, this is going to last for quite a while. I mean, we're already overdue for a recession. If you just look at the average cycles that the economy, the market goes through. We're already overdue for a downturn and now it's here. And some would argue that, well, we've already seen it for the last six months or so, 12 months, even before this happened. But now it's obvious to everybody that it's here. So this is especially important now that you prepare, not panic. Look at your business. Look at your numbers. Data, not drama. You may think you're profitable over here, but you're probably not. Look at your businesses by themselves as a standalone entity, the different things that you do, the different types of deals that you do. Where is your profit being made and not being made? And you'll be shocked. You'll be surprised when you find out things that you thought were profitable or not. Like I just said, I'm repeating myself, but this thing that I thought was making a lot of money, I was some months losing money. And this other stuff that it was profitable was actually floating and carrying this other part of my business that I had, right? What if I would have for the last one or two years when I was doing this other thing that I didn't like, what if I would have 
cut that off a year or two ago and I would have just focused 100% on this more profitable thing that my business was doing, how much more cash would I have on hand now today, right? All right. So you've got to ask yourself what's going to happen if things continue going on like this for the next three to six months, 12 months. Face the facts. It's time to face the facts, face reality rather than just brush it aside. And it's important to now communicate with your team and you know come up with a plan. This is important because when you are panicking, you're going to make bad decisions. So when if you have a business, if you have employees, if you have overhead, you need to come up with a plan. And when you have a plan, you can think clearly and strategically, right? And you need to create some event-based milestones that will trigger these strategic decisions. And you need to come up with scenarios that will become your decision makers. This will remove emotions and your biases because again, emotional reactive decisions will kill your business. For example, you need to start thinking about these things and communicating these things with your team. Listen, we have, for example, I got two examples here. Like we have three months to accomplish X. And if we don't accomplish that goal, this is what's going to have to happen, right? You can also say, listen, if revenue drops to this, then our expenses need to drop to Y. If our profit margins go to here, we're going to need to look at reducing this or that. Does that make sense? So when you, because uh, especially if you have employees, you may be freaking out thinking, man, I don't want to fire anybody. I'm not going to fire anybody. And I hear story after story after story of companies in the past, small businesses like this, who have waited too long to reduce their staff or reduce their overhead, right? And what happened was that they became in a worse off situation because they waited too long. At the same time, you don't want to freak out and fire everybody and cut all your expenses now and stop all your marketing because that's a huge mistake. So again, if you don't want to be driven by fear, if you want to make your decisions based on logic, you need to have a plan and start thinking about this. When, if you know your numbers, all right, well, okay, we've got three months now. If we can accomplish this, if we don't, then this is what's going to have to happen. If revenue drops to this or our profit drops to this, then our expenses have to drop. So this will remove emotional and reactive decisions from your business. Does that make sense? I mean, if you wait to make these decisions until you're forced to, it's already too late. Bottom line, if your revenue is dropping, you need to reduce your overhead. Make sense? And that's how we prepare. Don't make rash decisions right now. Base these decisions, these big decisions on a plan, on milestones, all right? Also, we need to get our personal house in order, right? Uh, your chances of dying from this virus is incredibly small. You're more likely to die from cancer or bad health, being overweight or a car wreck right now, right? But why let a crisis like this go to waste? We need to use this opportunity to make sure we have things in order, right? Do you have life insurance? Y'all should, at least term insurance, right? Do you have disability insurance? This is something I just signed up for. It's not cheap. I had quotes from $200 to $500 a month for disability insurance, and it all depends on how, how long they will support you. But this is important. Do you know that you're more likely to be disabled and lose the ability to work than you are to die? Now, everybody dies, right? But I'm talking about being disabled during, during your working years. Maybe that's a better way to phrase it. During your working years, you're more likely to be disabled than you are to die. And how many of you have disability insurance? Have you thought about that? What if you have a stroke? You know, what if your main business is working with your hands or, you know, and, and you lose your fingers or you go blind? I don't know, right? That's pretty depressing. But take a look at disability insurance. I just signed up for it. Do you have a living trust? Do you have a will? What if you have a business partner? Do you have an operating agreement that covers things like death and sickness? This is something that everybody needs to be thinking about because we all have usernames and passwords for everything, right? Does your spouse or your kids, <laughs> maybe your older kid, mature kids, 
Do they have a way to get into your bank account? You know, uh, what about your personal finances, your business accounts, and important software? You have a place where, you know, like I use LastPass, for example. And um, right now, I do not have a way for any of my. Now, my wife has our username and password for the bank and stuff like that. And I'm sure she could get it if she goes to the bank. But like, what other things in your business, like software and CRMs and databases, Google Drive or Dropbox or Calendar, your email inbox? Um, there's just tons of things if you really sat down and think about it. Does your family have a way to get access to that stuff if you were to die? Uh, what about your parents? You know, you, know, you got to be thinking about that, obviously, as well. And what are you going to do if you're sick in bed for three weeks and you're the primary breadwinner? Have you thought about that? What if you get the flu and you're in bed for three weeks? How are you going to make money? All right. So it's time to get your personal house in order. Now, let me say this one thing here before we get into uh, the opportunities that I'm seeing in real estate right now. Is this important? Is this good for you guys? Are you getting some value out of this? Some of you are telling me the audio is dropping, but all of you are, sometimes that happens, that's normal. So you just kind of need to log out and log back in, I think. But I am recording this and uh, good. I'm giving a lot of thank you. This is good. This is thoughtful. This is great. The audio is good. All right, good. So this is good and this is helpful for you guys. All right, appreciate it. Now, let me tell you something too. If you're personally on the ropes right now, maybe you have a full-time job and you just got laid off. Maybe you're in the restaurant industry. Maybe, I mean, there's people at our church that can't go into work right now. And I don't know if our church is paying them or not, but what if you work for a business where you, there is no work that you can do from home? What is, I was just talking to somebody. Oh yeah. They work as a, um, not as a, a custodian, as a custodian in a school. And they were just laid off. Listen, the government's not going to take care of you. If you think the government is, uh, you're going to be severely disappointed. They, they could never do a good job of anything, especially taking care of people. Now, they, they may be able to give you some money. I mean, there's talk right now that the government's going to give everybody uh, a check, but it's going to work out to be like $1,000 per person. Now, for most people, $1,000 might be good to cover your expenses for a few weeks, maybe food for a month. I don't know, right? But what if you are personally on the ropes right now? Number one, don't expect the government to bail you out. Okay. And it's time to be creative as H-E double hockey sticks. All right. I don't like to cuss. so I'll try not to, but it's time to get creative. You need to do whatever you need to do to make money. And whatever you do, do not quit. Do not give in. Fight every single day. This challenge will come to an end at some point. So what are some things that, I mean, like, listen, guys, I'm going to talk. I like doing deals, right? But you may need some money to pay the bills. You may need some money right now to pay the rent, to keep the utilities on, keep your phone on, right? You need to work. You need to figure it out. Stop sitting back on the sidelines, hoping that somebody's going to bail you out. Learn some secret magic pill where you can make some quick money doing a deal. Like you need to get to work, especially if you have a family to support, right? It's time to get creative as H-E double hockey sticks. You need to work your tail off. You know, people want to stay at home. So start delivering food for Uber Eats. If you have a skill, you know, if you're good at handyman stuff, offer it for half the price of your competitors. If you like... I pay an ungodly amount every single month for landscaping right now, right? <laughs> and I just got a letter a month or two ago for my main landscaping guy. I have three acres. If I were to cut the lawn myself, it would take me all day, Saturday and Sunday. It would take me all weekend, right? So I hire a company to do my landscaping. I have a, we have a big yard, right? Man, I, my goodness, if there was somebody right now that would call me and say, hey, listen, I'll do your lawn for half the price. If, if you're like really hungry, do you think I'm going to say no to you? Well, at least I'll call my main landscaper guy and I say, hey, listen, can you uh, cut me a deal here? And if things continue to get worse, you can bet I'm going to contact all of my service providers and say, listen, things are tight right now. Can we talk about negotiate prices on some of these things that you, that you do for me, right? So if you have a skill, if you have a lawnmower, 
then go around and offer your services for half the price of your competitors. You all have, you know people, reach out to 100 people every day and offer to help them in any way you can. Get on Fiverr, get on Upwork and post yourself as a job there, right? Like this isn't the most glamorous thing in the world to do, but what if you went out and got your realtor's license and started finding tenants for investors? You're only gonna make 500 to $1,000 per deal, but like, you know what? It's not that hard to find tenants. And it's like the realtor's, Typically, when a realtor gets their license, like the first thing the beginners do to, as you're climbing your fir- the rung of your ladder, you know, to realtor success is to be a buyer's agent. It's like the least sexy thing in, in you know in, in real estate to do, right? But man, what I'm telling you, as we start transitioning in this real estate market, that least sexy thing of being the buyer's agent and going out and finding buyers or finding tenants for listed properties, that's where the money is going to be made. Every realtor tries to get the listing agreements, you know, to try to find the people that want to sell their house because they think it's less work. But um, as we start going in to a buyer's market, we're transitioning out of a seller's market into a buyer's market. It's going to be more important to know how to find the buyers and find the tenants. So you need some money, get your realtor's license and go find tenants for investors. If property managers are charging a full month's rent to find tenants, you offer half a month's rent, right? And you can start making uh, back probably 2010, 2011. I came out with a course with my good friend, Todd Toback called Quick Turn Leasing. And it was all about, I'm not, my intent is not to teach you how to do this here on this webinar, but the whole idea of this was, you know, how to make a couple $3,000 a month. It's super easy. And we used what's called an option to lease. And so you'd find a landlord who had a property they're advertising for rent and you'd say, Hey, I, I, and, and you would, you would give them an option to lease. I don't want to go into all the details here, but, um, and then you would find a tenant and you would sell that option to the tenant. And uh, we had one of our students, he was actually homeless, living out of his car. And he b- found the money to buy our court. I think we sold it for 97 bucks. So it was called quick turn leasing. Maybe it was 297. I think it was. He goes out there and starts finding tenants without even a realtor's license, using the option to lease thing, right? And within a couple months, he's able to get his own apartment and get some furniture for his apartment and actually get a new car. Not a new car, but like get payments on a on a used car, right? And what he would do, he would go to the library and use the computer on the library. He would use the public phone, the pay phone there at the library to call sellers and landlords. And he just found creative ways to, and he was able to start making two to $3,000 a month just by finding tenants for investors, right? So get creative, right? Find a group of people who do have money, who do have large businesses and find out how you can help them and serve them. Offer whatever services you can to them. There are, because we talked about the the wealth doesn't just disappear, it transfers. So find the companies and the businesses and the people that that money has transferred to, find out what their problem is and offer to help them solve their problem. Find out what they need, find a way to give it to them. You know, another thing you could do is call out their major competitors and help them find a way to crush their competition. So when you go to war with a team like that and you find a way to win with these other companies, these the opportunities are going to be absolutely endless after that. So start thinking, just thinking bigger. Get creative as H-E double hockey sticks. And whatever you do, don't quit. Don't give up. Fight every single day. This challenge will come to an end at some point. That makes sense? All right. Now let's talk about real estate. And, and this all kind of was, we were talking about real estate here, but I'm going to talk about specific opportunities now that we're done kind of talking about the big picture. Now, if you're new to this business, you are in the right place at the right time. I just want to tell you that, guys. This is the best time to be in the business. I wish I had more time to talk about this. But again, when the market crashed in 2007, 2008, it was a year later that I quit my job in 2009. People thought I was crazy. But I saw the writing on the wall. 
and it was already, and it was, everybody saw it, but like, I knew, listen, if I lost my job, I'm replaceable. All right. My destiny is in my employer's hands, right? Like they could fire me tomorrow. And I was living paycheck to paycheck. I had no control over my destiny. What I mean, like if I was lucky, I got a 3% raise and no matter how hard I worked, I got paid the same. Didn't matter how hard I worked, how much profit I bought, brought into the business. I got paid the same. And I was an engineer working for an electrical contractor. We were building big, huge power plants, right? And I knew I could find another job, but I would have had to be willing to travel and move to wherever the work was. And I have a family with kids. I'm not going to do that, right? So I started doing lease options, started wholesaling, started flipping lease options. And those were the glory days, right? There was no competition for deals. I could get all the leads I wanted for free. And it's just like stealing candy from a baby, whatever that means. The low-hanging fruit was just really, really abundant at that time. And I'm predicting that again as we go forward. So if you're new and you've never done a deal before, I would be encouraged. You are in the right place at the right time. This is the best time to be in this business. And there's going to be a lot of opportunity coming. And people that I've seen this, and I've been talking about this for a long, long time. Anybody that got started in real estate pretty much from 2012, 2013 on, it's almost impossible to lose money, right? It's almost impossible to make a mistake because the market has been on a tear the last seven or eight years, eight years, right? So these guys that come into the market and uh, I'm not, I don't want to disparage anybody, but like, you know, they, they come in, they start wholesaling in 2015 and they're doing a million dollars a year. And they're like, man, this is the easiest thing ever. They've never seen the market correct. All right. They don't know what it's like, what's going on. And the, I can bet you a glass of iced tea right now, they're starting to freak out a little bit. And for various reasons, the cash is starting to get tight. Buyers are starting to pull out of the market. Title companies are starting to delay closing. Buyers, Retail buyers are getting nervous, anxious. They're pulling out of deals. Sellers are getting nervous and anxious. And these properties that they were rehabbing that they were hoping they could sell in three, four, five, six months are probably going to take 8, 10, 12 months to sell. The prices that they thought they could sell the property at this price, they're going to realize, you know, shoot, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to drop it down to this. And that can cripple a business. There are tons and tons of wholesalers and rehabbers right now that are on the verge of going out of business. So what do we do? If you're new to this business, you can either be, remember we we're talking about being optimistic or pessimistic, that can scare you. Or you could say, ah, I see some opportunity here, right? So wealth doesn't disappear. It transfers. We talked about this, right? The world will soon be on sale. Prices will soon be at an all-time low again. And so you need to be thinking about this. Where's the cheese moving to? And recognize too as well that what worked yesterday may not work as well tomorrow. So where is the cheese moving to? It's important now to be educated in these two main things, creative financing and fast cash strategies. I might be talking more about this here as we go down. But you need to start really, really thinking about creative financing and fast cash strategies. It's more important to know how to make a quick nickel than a slow dime right now. And how do you get educated in these things? Well, there's already a ton of it out there, but just, you know, there's podcasts, there's books, there's YouTubes, but you got to take action with what you learn. And you got to remember too, if you're learning how to wholesale from somebody that's only been doing it for two or three years, there's a lot that you can learn from them, right? But I don't know, take what they say with a grain of salt, because they've never seen a downturn in the market like we have now. I would encourage you to look for advice from people that have been in the business a long time, have seen the ups and downs, okay? Also remember this, spring is coming. Um, I've already talked about this, right? You need to know where the cheese is moving to. That's why it's important to be listening to podcasts like mine and others like it. By the way, if you're not subscribed to my podcast, you should subscribe. What are you doing? Do you hate money? I don't know. Like if you go to Real Estate Investing Mastery, 
That is my podcast, Real Estate Investing Mastery. I did a podcast just, I did three this week talking about a lot of these things. Is there a place for selling rural vacant land? Uh, I talk about that. How smart investors should be reacting in this environment. Forget about the hustle, but still get out of bed already. And I talk about rent to own. So there's a lot of good stuff in here uh, in this podcast. You can listen to it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and all of that. So whatever podcast player you listen to, if you have an iPhone or an Android or whatever, get on, subscribe to my podcast because I'm going to be coming out with a lot more stuff. I already have this content plan lined out for the next three to four weeks of things that I'm going to be talking about. And I asked a lot of you guys to fill out a survey and you did. And I've got over 250 something responses of things like, what are you concerned about? What are some of your biggest questions? What are some of the opportunities that you're seeing right now? What do you need the help with the most right now? And I'm going to be taking those questions and creating podcasts about them. And most of my podcasts are short, but I answer some of these questions. And I'm going to be spending a lot more time over the next couple months answering your biggest questions and helping people with figuring out what they need to do to succeed. Make sense? So just go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Show. Look for Joe McCall, you'll see me. Or go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. And I'm gonna put this link in my uh, in the mind map right here. I'll find a way to get you this mind map too. You know what? Let's do this. Write this down. If you want this mind map, because I'm gonna be releasing this as a podcast as well, go to joemccall.com slash spring 2020. How about that? Okay. Let me put this in the mind map here. If you want this mind map, go to joemccall.com slash spring 2020. Now that will not be up and available for at least um, another couple hours, but I'll put it up there, okay? joemccall.com slash spring 2020, and I'll have this mind map there. Get educated on these two main things. I talked about this, creative financing, fast cash strategies, and we'll talk more about that here as we go. Now, some things I want to talk about in general in regards to real estate. If you're in the real estate business, which I think most of you are, right? Uh, You should ideally be able to survive with three months of no income. And if you don't have this right now, that's fine. Don't beat yourself up, but start thinking about this. I think you still have time to prepare for this, okay? If you look at the Great Depression in 1929, it lasted for three or four years. It it took almost a year before the banks started collapsing after the stock market crashed. Uh, the, The recession of 2008, that didn't just happen overnight. For some people, it did if you're in the stock market, but you had time to prepare. And so you have time today to prepare. March 20th, as I'm recording this right now, you have time to prepare. So start thinking about surviving with uh, three months. If you had no income, could you survive for three months? Your cash flow will be interrupted. I mean, if you don't have enough cash to make it through the next three months, consider liquidating some assets as quickly as possible to give you the peace of mind you need to make it through this uncertain period. And don't wait until it's too late and you're forced into a fire sale in an uncertain market, right? And if you haven't already, by the way, some of these, I forgot to mention this earlier, a lot of these ideas are things I've been thinking about, but are also things that I've been getting from other people and Facebook groups and things that I've been on discussion boards. So I wish I could say all of these ideas are original and they're mine, but I, if I were to reference everybody that I saw this from or heard this from or read this from, it would be pretty obnoxious. But so I just have to tell you that a lot of these ideas I got from just listening and talking to other people. Like, for example, this one here came from a friend of mine, Christina Krause. She's in our leadership boardroom mastermind, but she was saying here, this is important. If you don't already start mailing contracts and written offers to anyone you speak with on the phone, even if they reject your offer, 
This will not only plant your flag, but will give you a reason to follow up later. So you can say things like, hey, I'm just following up with that offer I sent you. And I've said this for years and years, but this is especially important now. Start sending offers, written offers to everyone that you talk to, because this will allow you to do more follow-up in the future. And then it gives you an excuse to get your foot in the door. Hey, I'm just following up on that offer that I sent you. Did you get it? Okay. Uh, In a time when people are concerned about liquidity, masterminds are an obvious expense to eliminate. If this is something you're considering, I urge you to rethink. I really, really believe the importance of masterminds and community collaboration. Uh, They're going to be the secret to having a massively successful business as we move into the future. So don't quit your masterminds if you're in one, okay? Please don't do that because you're going to learn more about where the opportunity is, where the cheese is moved to when you're connected with other successful investors. So don't quit your masterminds, all right? Uh, Global insights and support from like-minded business owners will be critical to not only survive, but thrive through the uncharted waters that we are all about to enter, okay? The other thing is here, do not slow down. There's going to be more motivated sellers now than we've had in a long, long time. You can get more deals and there's gonna be less competition for these deals because everyone is getting scared. The other thing kind of related to what I've been talking about, uh, you need to be focusing on the quick nickel instead of the slow dime. This is important for under strategies like wholesaling, for flipping lease options. Don't be looking at into long-term deals. Now, some people would disagree with me on that, but my opinion is you need to know how to be in and out of deals extremely fast. Don't commit yourself to long-term deals because nobody knows what the market's gonna do over the next couple years. And I'm predicting most people are that it's that it's that we're due for a downturn. It may not be as big, it probably won't be as big as what we saw in 2008 and 9, but the, you know, the economy is in serious trouble right now. Do not use your own cash right now. Focus on affordable housing. People are always going to need a roof over their head. The population of the US is growing and follow the demand. It's easy to find the demand. I'll show you kind of what I'm talking about here in a minute, but follow the demand. It's easy to see. And there's a real good article here about my friend Jay Scott that he wrote called The Impact of Coronavirus on Real Estate Markets. And if you just go to Bigger Pockets or Google this and you'll see this article, I'm not going to go through this right now, but Jay Scott spent a lot of time researching this. He wrote it a couple of days ago or released it a couple of days ago. And it's a really good article, The Impact of Coronavirus on Real Estate Markets. Just Google that with Bigger Pockets and you will find it. He does a lot of research, a summary of the economic conditions. Will economic volatility caused by coronavirus impact real estate? The answer is yes. What about a recession that's coming? Then there's an article related here that he links to of five different ways that the next recession can make you rich. Talks about Airbnb properties will be hit hard. What if coronavirus directly infects your investments? Are there any positives in the current situation? Yes. And summary of all this. So this is a really good article. I encourage you to read it. And there's a lot of good stuff in Bigger Pockets. It's a great resource to go to. I'd encourage you to, to plug into that. Um, just be careful too. Anytime that you're on a big forum, uh, Facebook groups or bigger pockets. Uh, you ask 20 questions, you're going to get 500 different answers. And you you just have to make sure you know kind of who you're listening to. All right. It's more important than ever to work from home, do deals virtually. Um, how certain are you that you can keep your job or that you're going to have a job to come back to if you've been furloughed? Why not do deals from home? And I've been doing this for years and years. A lot of you guys have as well. You don't need to go see houses. You can talk to sellers and buyers over the phone. I was talking to a friend the other day who pays, who who finds people from Uber to take pictures of his properties. And I was like, what are you talking about? He says, well, I just do an Uber and I do a pickup for wherever the house is, right? That's what the address he gives them. And then after they, he's been connected to, to a driver, he calls the driver and says, hey, listen, I'm not going to be actually be at the house, but I'll still pay you for the trip, you know, and 
uh, if you can take some pictures for me, I'll give you an extra 25 bucks or something like that. And so he actually pays Uber drivers. And once he finds a good Uber driver, he uses that Uber driver for future deals. When he needs something delivered to a seller to sign, or he needs pictures taken or an inspection done of a property or pictures taken of a neighborhood or whatever. So you need to get creative and find ways that you can do deals virtually. And there's a lot of opportunity out there for that. Let's talk about marketing here. Double up, double up on your marketing, double up on cold calling and texting. People will be at home and you should have a higher percentage of people answering the phones. We're already seeing this. Vacant list, vacant houses right now is a great list to call uh, for a lot of reasons, but vacant houses are easier to sell. It's getting harder and harder. I've been seeing this in our own business and talking to other people. It's getting harder to get sellers to let you in, to inspect the house, to look at it. If the house has tenants, it's sometimes harder to um, schedule the time to go in and see the house with tenants, but everybody's freaking out right now. But with a vacant house, guess what? Um, There's nobody in there. And one of the things I love about Zillow and Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist is almost all of those houses that you see on there listed for rent or for sale by owner are vacant. So vacant houses, it's a great list to call. Follow-up is super important right now, especially now. Uh, you need to call all of your old leads today. We're seeing an, an incredible response with follow-up right now and old letters. We're, we're sending out, we've been sending out direct mail for a while. We're getting leads right now on direct mail that we sent over a year ago. They're starting to, they keep those postcards. They keep those letters. Those offers that you're sending to sellers, they keep them. So follow up. You might even consider sending texts or SMS broadcasts or slide broadcasts to all your current leads regarding the virus and let them know that we're here to help. Now, that's not something I've done, but it's, I think it sounds like a good idea, like letting everybody know all your old leads. Hey, listen, I understand things are getting tough right now. I just wanted to let you know that we are here to help you. If there's anything that we can do with your house or, you know, or your house is, uh, let us know. Uh, your efforts will be shown now, but even more so in the next 90 days. So as you start ramping up your marketing, just know that it takes a little bit of time to build that momentum, but you're going to get to that momentum pretty quickly. Uh, direct mail will come back. I'm predicting it'll be become better and easier, uh, but you need to kind of wait till people get back to work. Like if you were to go order 5,000 postcards right now, there may not be people in the printing shop there to print them. And things may be slowing down in the mail U.S. Postal Service. I don't know. It seems like I'm still getting mail every day. I'm still getting UPS and Amazon stuff, but direct mail will come back for the simple reason that uh, there's going to be fewer people doing it as we go out forward. All right. That's marketing. Don't stop. Do more of it. Wholesaling. Um, start focusing on finding. There's a few things that are important with wholesaling. If you're just a cash wholesaler, this is really, really important to understand. I want to encourage you to start focusing on finding your buyers again. A lot of us over the past, what, five, six, seven, eight years have gotten fat and lazy because it's easy to sell our properties. You just find the deal and the buyers will come. But as we start transitioning into more of a buyer's market, in other words, it's going to be easier to find seller leads, harder to find buyer leads. You need to focus again on finding buyers. You need to focus on finding buyers first. It's easier to sell buyers what they want than to sell them what you have. This is important in any market, but especially now. So I'd encourage you to call all of your current buyers or email them. I'd prefer you call them. Find out who's still buying now, finding out what they are buying. This is really, really critical and important. Now, I've been talking to friends um, and and even in our own business, calling our buyers and the the big main buyers, they're still hungry for deals. They still want more deals. But across the board, we are seeing more and more buyers pulling their money out of deals. They're becoming, even the buyers that say they are still buying, they're becoming more conservative with their prices. So you need to understand what prices they are 
comfortable with today. You know, it's just, I've talked about this a lot. You know, imagine that you made a bowl of spaghetti and you go out in the street and you try to start selling your spaghetti. You're going to have a hard time finding somebody who wants to buy it. But what if you instead, you went out and you started taking orders from people on the street and you started saying, hey, listen, are you hungry? Do you want some food? I'll go buy it for you, right? It's going to be a lot easier to sell people what they want rather than sell them what you have. Does that make sense? It's really important. And I think it's going to be even more important now as we go forward in these changing markets. Now, how do you do that? There's a couple, three ways and I'm going to be spending more time in the future over the next couple of weeks talking about this because it's really important. And I'm going to be releasing this content as podcasts. So again, subscribe to my podcast at Real Estate Investing Mastery, whether you have an Apple or a Google or whatever, Android phone, Samsung. So one of the best ways to find buyers is to call realtors of recent investor transactions. Call the buyer's agents and the seller's agents. And you may have to get MLS access to that. I don't know, but figure it out. You'll be able to do it if you just ask around enough, right? I also encourage you to call landlords, call property managers, go to Zillow. Like I'm going right now to Zillow.com and somebody give me a city right now in the chat box, okay? And I will look up, I'll tell you kind of what I'm talking about here. Boise, Idaho. I love Boise. Boise, Idaho. All right. So here I am in Boise. I'm going to remove the boundary. I know if you're just listening to this on the audio, bear with me here, but you'll understand what I'm doing. I'm going to for rent. All right. And I click two plus bedrooms. I might click houses only. And let's say I'm looking for, um, there's 453 homes right now in the Boise area. Let's say I'm looking at cheaper, lower end homes. So I might say max a thousand a month. Is there anything like that in Boise? Yeah, there's 15 properties under a thousand a month. So right now, if I just open up any one of these, I can see who the owner is. And sometimes the phone number is not here, but look, if you click ask a question right here, well, no, it doesn't. Sometimes it'll give you the phone number. It's a bad example. Let's go to this one right here. Jess, ask a question. There's your phone number right there. Jess Govan, right? Call these property managers up, these landlords and say, hey, I got a deal in this area, would you or your client be interested? Here's a two bedroom, one bath, 900 square foot, Ben Mahaffey, and there's his phone number. And this is a recent change that Zillow has made. It used to be their phone number was right here, but all of those people that teach how to find phone numbers and contact people from Zillow. Zillow's gotten wind of that, and I think they're trying to hide their phone numbers now. But anyway, if you click in here, ask a question, you can find phone numbers here. Call them up. Call Ben up and say, hey, Ben, how's it going? I see that you have a rental property here on South Montana Avenue in Caldwell, Idaho. And I'm an investor, and I've got another property in the area that's similar to yours. I'm just wondering, are you looking for more deals right now, right? If they're a full-time active investor, most investors are looking for more deals right now. Especially, I'm telling you guys, there's a lot of money sitting on the side, waiting to come back into the market. Did you hear what I'm saying? There's a lot of money sitting on the side right now, waiting to come back into the market. And a lot of these property managers and landlords have connections and they know where that smart money is at and when it's coming back. And they're going to be looking for deals. And if you want to succeed as the market's going forward, then you need to position yourselves with good buyers. It's not going to be the same rule anymore, where if you just find a good deal, you'll find buyers. Now, that is sometimes true if you've got a really, really good deal. But I'm just telling you, it's easier to find out what your buyers are wanting and then give it to them. Uh, Related to this too, I want to say for a whole thing, I'm going to talk about this here in a minute. Don't be greedy. (laughs) I'll talk about that in a minute here. All right. So call property landlords managers and and talk to them. And also look up recent investor transactions. You can, and then there's ways I'm going to show you some content here uh, in future podcasts of how to do this real simple. In REI Simple, which is my CRM, there's PropStream, like PropStreamJoe.com. 
um, where you can get recent buyer activity and you can skip trace them, find the emails, find their phone numbers and call them, email them, send them letters. And I'm going to be doing future episodes about exactly, you know, I'm going to give you a script and what to say and the letters to send and all that. Cause this is really important. And there's ways like, by the way, did you, did you know you can't skip trace LLCs, right? Because if it's an LLC or a trust, you can't skip to trace them. But have you ever gone to Fiverr and just did a search for skip trace LLCs? Look at this. There's 73 services that come up here where they advertise here, skip trace LLCs or companies for owners. And there's guys that I don't know how they do it, but they do it. And we're having some pretty good success with this. And I have a lot of friends that are as well. Okay. So start skip tracing individual owners and LLCs and just hire somebody on Fiverr to do it for you. Start focusing on the buyers. Also increase your inspection periods and closing dates. This is really important because sellers are less, more reluctant. They're more reluctant to let people into their house. Tenants are a lot less reluctant. It's harder to coordinate that stuff because of the virus scare right now. So you need to make sure that in your closing, in your contracts, you're giving exceptions in there or contingencies based on these things. And the closing dates are going out because a lot of title companies, they, the people are working from home, right? The, the recorder of deeds in the county is not working at full capacity right now. So everything is being pushed out. So it's just fine. I mean, things will come back to normal with that, but you need to make sure in your any new contracts going forward that you have clauses in there that say, you know, we will close 30 days after we can do the title work. You know, it's things like that. So put your, try to come up with some simple language like that to make your closing contingent, not on you, but on the county recorders, the title companies and things like that. Make sense? Make sure that it's more clear in your language that your your closing is in, contingent on a satisfactory inspection where you can actually get in the house and look at it. Um, offer sellers to leave you a key so you can do inspections and not come in contact with them, right? Just talking to them. And by the way, any deals that you currently have in the pipeline, make sure that you're communicating with sellers and you're talking to them. Uh, get sellers and tenants working for you, taking pictures, doing walkthrough videos. I've done that for years and years. I didn't realize it was a big deal, but some people have never thought about asking the sellers to send you pictures. I have a friend who's a realtor. He got tired of traveling to sellers' homes. And so just for traditional listings, right? <laughs> okay. And he started telling them, okay, listen, you want to sell your house? Good. When can you come to my office? And the seller would say, well, what do you mean? Don't you want to come and see it? Well, I mean, I, you, I, you can, I can get someone to go take pictures of it. Is there something wrong with the house that I need to actually go see it? No, 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 no. Everything's fine. Okay, fine. Yeah. Where's your office located? Are you available Wednesday at like three o'clock? Yeah, great. He started getting sellers to come to his office for listing appointments. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You can record live in Zoom uh, on these videos if you want. Gavin and his team are doing that recording these uh, some of these walkthroughs in Zoom with the seller on their phone um, so nothing gets missed. I expect the closing processes to take longer, like I've said, but that's okay. You can't control that. Title company is going to take longer to close courthouses and stuff like that. Okay, don't be greedy. Um, I think I'm predicting here, gone are the days of the big fat $15,000, assignment fees, okay? That's just kind of what's going to happen here because you're going to have to get in deeper. You're going to have to make lower offers. Your buyers are going to be buying these deals at lower values. And there's going to be a transition period here where, and this is common, I remember seeing this in 08 and 09, where the sellers think that the market is not impacted as hard as it really is. And it takes sometimes six to 12 months for sellers to realize, oh, I can't sell the house for what I thought I could, or it's not going to be as easy to sell this house as I thought it was going to be. So your margins are going to shrink. That's okay. That's all right. I mean, still making five grand on a deal is not that bad. It's just not going to be as good as it was. That's my prediction. So again, it goes back to what I was saying before, all these new wholesalers that came in and thought that they were God because everything they touch turns to gold and they make money on everything. 
are going to be in for a surprise. Okay. It used to be back in the earlier day that, you know, the average wholesale fee was five to 10 grand. In some markets, as prices have skyrocketed up, it's now where it's common to make 15, 20 grand on a wholesale deal. So those times are going to, it's going to change. Not a big deal. You just got to be prepared for it. Don't be greedy. All right. It's better to make three to $5,000 on a deal than nothing. All right, let's talk about lease options. Everything that we see going on right now is exactly why I love lease options so much. It's control without ownership. What does that mean? Well, when the market goes south, I'm not going down with it. I don't own anything. I only control paper. You understand? So I think it's Rockefeller that said the secret to wealth is to own nothing and control everything. The same guy who built the Rockefeller Center, Nelson Rockefeller, who created all of those jobs for those people during the, that time of the Great Depression. That's what he said. The secret to wealth is to own nothing and control everything. If you own a bunch of real estate, right? And if you're over leveraged, you're in trouble. That's the same thing that happened to me in 08 and 09. Lost a lot of properties to foreclosure and short sales and stuff like that. Why? Because I owned a bunch of stuff. And when I heard this concept of lease options that you can actually make the same amount of money without owning property, you're only controlling it. I thought, what? why isn't everybody doing this, right? So now is the time for lease options and owner financing. Okay, owner financing, let me take that back. Sometimes you do want to own the property if you can get a really good deal like long-term interest, like 0% interest long-term, then maybe owner financing would be good because there is a place and a time for, for ownership and control. But the thing I love about lease options, when you can control a property, if the market values tank, I can walk away. Uh, it's just an option. I don't own the house. Imagine buying a house, you know, you put down your 20%, market goes south, you can't go back to the bank and say, hey, you know what? I decided I don't want this house anymore. You know, can you take it back? They're going to say no. <laughs> All the bank cares about is getting paid. So when you have a lease option, you have, it's just an option to buy the property. Now, I'm not saying that you can walk away from your deals, right? But when the option period expires, you can walk away from the deal. You don't have to buy it. You just have the option to buy it. The other cool thing too is the way I do my lease options, I have a clause in my contract with the owner on the sandwich lease option deals, not the wholesaling lease options, but the sandwich lease option deals, that with a 60-day advance notice, I can get out of any deal. Now, I would only do that if there was a tenant in place. I'm not going to leave the owner high and dry, but lease options give you more flexibility. If the market really does crash, you can get out of the deal. By the way, with a lease option, you don't have to worry about title companies. You don't have to worry about delayed closings. You don't have to worry about recording offices being delayed and everything like that. Uh, you don't have to worry about that. I, again, I quit my job in 09 doing just lease options. Um, and when, when it comes to lease options too, it's so much easier to negotiate deals when you can offer the sellers whatever price they want. It's just a matter of waiting for it, isn't it? Now imagine if you're competing with 500 other wholesalers for one small deal and it's just a bunch of people, it's like blood in the in the, in the the water. What if I could come to the seller and say, listen, I can get you that price you need, maybe. I don't know if it's going to work for me or you, but you know, I might be able to get you that price if you're willing to lease it to me for a year or two first. That probably wouldn't work for you, would it? All right. So you can give sellers whatever price they need as long as they'll give you the time. It's price or terms. You can give the seller the price they want if they give you the terms that you want. You can give them the terms they want if they give you the price that you want. The other cool thing about lease options is, guys, you don't have to pretend that you have the money to close anymore, right? You don't have to rely on these cash buyers that are getting flakier and flakier and hope that they can actually close. You don't have to be that guy. In my lease option contract that I give to the seller at the very beginning, I call it a flexible lease option. It's a flexible option. If they sell it before I do, they can cancel my contract. It's not a big deal. That way though, I'm not tying up the property. I'm not tying up the property. If I can't find a buyer or a tenant buyer, that's fine. I'm not on the hook to make any payments. I'm not taking over the mortgage. I'm not taking over the deed. I'm not 
buying the house with bank financing or private financing. If I can't find a buyer, then I can cancel the contract. But I'm also not tying up the property. You understand? So I can't be accused of taking advantage of a seller in a bad situation and tying up the property and not letting them sell it or lease it on their own. My option is a flexible option. If they sell it or lease it before I do, that's fine. They can walk and they don't owe me anything. Cool? All right. So even as we are tightening up here in the market, you can still sell your deals lightning fast, even without a buyer's list. There is still a huge demand for lease option homes. You can sell, I'm telling you guys, I have dozens and dozens and dozens of testimonials from students that say like, I can't believe how easy it is to sell my lease option deals. This is way easier than wholesaling. (laughs) Okay. All right. Now let's talk about vacant roll-in. Oh, by the way, if you want more information about lease options and how to do them, I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but let me just jump right here right now. I'm going to be doing a lot more podcasts about this, but I have a webinar that you can watch right now if you go to sloclass.com. SLO stands for Simple Lease Options, sloclass.com. Or if you want, you can get my class right now. If you go to joemccall.com slash now, joemccall.com slash now, where I teach you how to do lease options from beginning to end. And I also have in that course, what's called a um, business completion challenge. I give you all of the money back if you set up your business within six months. You don't even have to do a deal. Just set up your business like I teach in the class and start making offers. And um, within six months, give me a testimonial what you've done and I'll give you your money back. And I have various reasons for doing that. I'll explain that in a minute here. But if you want to just sign up right now, go to joemccall.com slash now, joemccall.com slash now. I offer payment plans on my course, but I think it's more important now than ever to learn how to do lease options, okay? So I'll talk more about that here in a minute. I'm almost done. I want to talk about rural vacant land real, real quick here, because this is something I'm seeing a lot of potential for in the future, And because because there's going to be a trend going away from high-density living. I think there's going to be a trend going away from urban high-density urban areas like condos, apartment buildings. People are looking for space, right? And there's a lot of preppers out there. I mean, you see it. There's long lines at the gun stores. I hear about it in the news, right? These companies that sell emergency supply food and stuff like that, they have months-long waiting lists now. I mean, their, their orders and demand is just spiked. It's huge. There's a lot of people out there right now getting concerned about this virus, about it happening again, or let's say they're, they're afraid it's going to go on. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. So, what if you could sell land, vacant rural land, two or three hours out of town where people that are concerned about prepping, they're concerned about survival things, they have a place where they can go. And maybe even for you yourself. Here's a crazy thing, guys. You can buy land for super, super cheap. I'm not talking about going to the MLS or going to Zillow or landwatch.com or landsofamerica.com and buying properties at full market value. I'm talking about going out, buying a list of all the people that own 10 to 40 acres or whatever in your area and sending them letters saying, hey, would you like to sell your land? You know how much competition is going out there right now trying to buy vacant rural land? Zero. And you may think, well, I mean, there's a lot of objections and questions I know you have about this, but I'm telling you guys, there is more, there are more rural vacant lots out there than there are houses. You look at a map of the United States and how much vacant, empty land there is compared to cities where there's houses and stuff like that. There is a ton. And if you're worried about competition, it's ridiculous. Like some counties that I know that we're working in, they have 20,000 vacant lots in some of these counties that we're working in, right? And I'm maybe one of four or five investors sending direct mail there. Are you, and you're worried about competition? No. So, you know, like, let me show you kind of what I'm talking about here. I'm going to go to, um, 
landsofamerica.com. There's one website that you can check it out. And let me also, I'm going to do another one here. Let's look at uh, landwatch.com, landwatch.com. And somebody give me a state right now in the chat box. All right, California, Robert. Let's go here to California, the left coast. I wonder why so many people are leaving California right now. Maybe because of taxes and the socialist communist government there. I don't know. Maybe. All right. So enough politics, Joe. Stop it. Let's look for cheap land under 40 grand. And let's look for zero to 10 acres. And there's a way here that you can see. Okay. Just land. Boom. There you go. And I'm going to do sort by price, low to high. Oops. Low to high. You know what? Let's do for acreage. Let's do minimum two acres. All right. There are 1,700, 1,800 listings right now of two to 10 acres. No, let me fix that. Let's do, because obviously you can buy super expensive property. Let's do two to 40 acres. And I don't, I don't want the super expensive properties in here. Okay. Still 1,766. A lot of these properties here, now this is desert, high desert. I don't know if you want to live <laughs> in this area, right? But there's some areas around California where you can buy really nice, decent land for super cheap. Now let's do, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to say minimum $8,000 to $13,000. All right. So here's some good land, 10 acres in San Bernardino County, $8,000. 20 acres in Lassen County for $8,400 seller financing available, right? There's a lot of land out here. Some of this is desert. I probably should should have picked a better state. A lot of this is desert land, but there's a lot of land where you can have, you're right in the mountains, okay? Now, let me show you something else here. That's really cool. Here's Modoc County. There's, there's some trees there. That looks really nice. Now, you can go and we're doing this right now. Let me just tell you what we're doing. We're sending out direct mail to vacant landowners in Oregon, Colorado, and California. We are getting a 10% response rate on our direct mail right now. This is something I was talking about before my boys are helping me do. We're getting a 10% response rate on our direct mail. So we got a, we sent out recently about 1,500 letters. We got about 150 leads. And of those 150 leads, guess how many contracts we got? Offering 20 cents on the dollar. 20 cents on the dollar. Guess how many contracts we got? Let me get my calculator. We got six or seven, six contracts. Let's just be conservative here. I think I had seven. Let's say we had six. So six divided by 150, we had one out of every 25 leads turns into contracts. And guess what? We never talked to the sellers until after they signed our contract. We never even talked to them until after they accepted our offer. How many more offers could we have accepted if we talked to them, <laughs> right? So we got a 10% response rate. And of the leads that we got, we got one deal out of every 25 leads. And we never even talked to them until they accepted our offer. And we're, we're, we're offering these 20 cents on the dollar. So what, what I'm talking about here is right here, let's look at this deal, for example. This is uh, Alturas, Modoc County, California. They're selling us five-acre lot for $10,000. Guess how much we would offer for that five-acre lot? $2,000. We would offer $2,000 for that land. All right. So what does this have to do with you? Number one, you may be concerned about, you know, where am I going to go if, you know, if the, you know, what really does hit the fan? Do I have a place to go? Well, maybe you can actually go out and start marketing right now. What if you're, you know, if you're looking in Northern California in um, the, the Shasta Cascade area here, right? Did you know you can buy some property out here for really cheap in the mountains, in the trees? that you can go out and just get it. Maybe it's just for a vacation. Maybe just bring your four-wheelers and go camping and do some fun stuff out there, right? There's a lot of opportunity out there for land. And you can actually sell this land to preppers. Let's say you find a piece of property that you want. Well, you can also turn around and flip this land and make a quick 
three, four, five, ten thousand dollars selling this for the vacant land because we're selling it so 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 cheap. So I'm telling you this: the gun lines are getting longer. People are getting more concerned about prepping and safety and being prepared. And so it's not just guns and food; it's also land. So there are a lot of people out there in in, in the market that are concerned about safety and having land. And if you can now sell land for cheap to them, maybe with owner financing, there's a lot of opportunity to make some money with this. And let me just show you if you're interested what I do to get my lists. I have a subscription with Datatree, datatree.com. And it's not cheap. There's other tools that you can use. I'm just going to show you. Okay, I'm putting in my password. Don't look. And so let me, somebody else here put a, a Georgia in there. Okay, so let's, I want to look for Georgia. I'm going to show you, I'm doing this in landwatch.com. I want to see what area of Georgia right now is selling a lot of rural vacant land. And there's an easy way to do that by going here to Landwatch. Now, I want to see where the demand is. I want to see where is all the activity happening. And one of the ways to do that is through this. So I'm going to go, I looked up Georgia and landwatch.com. I want to go down here and click land. So these are all the properties that are just vacant land. And I want the normal size properties, right? So I want minimum of five acres to 40 acres. I don't want the little quarter acre lots in some small town. All right. So there's 7,374 listings. So now what I'm looking at here is these are all just Georgia, vacant rural land, five acres to 40 acres. And you can see the mountain area, which is kind of the northeastern, no, I'm sorry, the northwestern area of Georgia, there's 1,900 properties. And then there's a historic south area where there's 1,700. There's a Blue Ridge Mountains, which has 1,400. So let's just pick the mountain area. That's where most of the properties are that are listed here that are five to seven acres. And you can see the biggest counties. Cherokee County has a bunch, Carroll County, Jackson County, Hall, Paulding, Bart. So I'm going to go look at just the top counties here, Cherokee and Carroll. All right, Cherokee. I don't know if I can remember how to spell that. So let me copy it. Okay, it won't let me copy. I'm going to go here to advanced search. Now, I know if you're listening to the podcast, you have no idea what I'm doing here. I'm just going to do my best to kind of walk you through. I'm selecting Georgia and the county is Cherokee. Boom. There are 105,000 owners there that own something out there, right? So I'm going to go here to characteristics and I want to say uh, living area is zero. That means there's no house on the property. There's 15,000 results there. Lot acreage, let's do between five to 40 acres, 2,100 properties there. All right, just like that, now I have 2,100 owners that own vacant land between five to 40 acres in Cherokee County, Georgia. Now I'm gonna do one more thing here. I can do, sometimes this works, sometimes it doesn't. I'm gonna say absentee owners, which means the mailing address is different than the, than the property address. And there's 392. Sometimes that works in some counties, sometimes it doesn't, I don't know why. Um, but I might take that out. And I also wanna go here to the last sale date. I wanna make sure they've owned the property for at least 10 years, okay? So I'm gonna go sale information. I'm gonna say last sale date is before, I'm going to put uh, 2010. So before March 20, 2010. Get count as it's working here. Now, some, some counties, this may not work if they don't record the sale dates. And so it's thinking right now. I'm surprised it's taking this long. But DataTree is owned by, there's two main data providers, CoreLogic and First Liberty, I think is what it is. And DataTree is the is the competitor to CoreLogic. Here we go. 1,388 results. All right. So there's 1,388 results in Cherokee County, five to 40 acres that was last purchased at least 10 years ago. Now I can take this and export it right now. And within about five, 10 minutes, I could create a letter campaign 
using click to mail is one of the services I use and I can get the mail out. Now, probably maybe 300 of those I can filter out because they're going to be property owned by the government or something like that. Or there actually is a property, there are some buildings on the property. So I can remove that once I export it out. Let's say I'll have a thousand records right here. Okay. I expect conservatively about a 10% response rate. So I'm going to get about a hundred calls from this. And if I can get one deal out of every 25 calls, which is what my average has been, I'm going to get four contracts out of this. And I'm offering, again, 20 cents on the dollar. So you may say, well, how do you find what the dollar is? How do you know what these properties are? It's really easy now because you can go to places like Zillow, landsofamerica.com, landwatch.com. Let me just go to Zillow here. And what was that? Cherokee County, Georgia, right? So let's look at Cherokee County. I'm going to look at for sale right now. I'm going to remove any price filters. I'm going to do any bedrooms and I'm going to say, just show me vacant land. So if you go to home type and you make sure just lots and vacant land, uh, lots is, is available. There's 423 properties for sale right now that are just vacant rural lots, right? And you could even go then into more and you could say, all right, show me all the ones that are at least five acres under 50 acres. So five to 50 acres, click done. And there's 136 results there. You can sort this from price low to high and see what you, this is what these properties were. So what I do is I, if I have a five or six acre lot, like here's a 5.74 acre for 80,000, 5.98 acres for 80,000, five acres for 94,000. What I usually do is I average those and I multiply that by 80% to get the average value of the property. So if I get a calculator, do 80,000 plus 80 plus 94 divided by three. So the average is about $84,000 divided by five. So that's an average of almost $1,700 per acre, right? And if I multiply that times 0.8, these average about $1,400 an acre. So my offer price, when I'm making offers on these, it's real simple. I'm gonna take 1355 or $1,400 an acre times 0.2. I'm gonna offer $280 an acre, all right? That's what my offers are. And I'm getting them accepted, about one out of every 25. So, and then you can also from Zillow, I'm just talking about showing you how to do this on Zillow. You can even then here go to solds and you can a lot of times get good sold data. Here's 301 results in this county of sold properties between five and 50 acres. Here's a 10 acre lot that sold for 13 grand, 25 acre lot that sold for 13 grand. So you can get a lot of good values just from Zillow. Now, I hope I'm not I hope I didn't lose too many of you guys. A good a bunch of you are still on. I'm just telling you there is an opportunity for land and you can buy it super cheap. I actually teach how I use options to buy land in my simple lease options course if you're interested because I think there's a couple opportunities. Number 1 for yourself if you want some rural vacant land to buy it super cheap. And number two, there's going to be coming a huge demand and there's already there for this rural vacant land because of this scare uh, from people who are concerned about their safety being prepared. And so people want a couple things. They want, they want food. They need a shelter, right? They need guns because they're worried about that. And it's not funny. It's serious, like true, right? And they need some place where they can get away. They need land. And so the trend I see is going away from high density, high density urban areas out into the suburban areas, out into the country. And even if there is an emergency or not a danger or anything like that, they can at least have a place where they can go just have some vacation time with their family and go ride their four-wheelers and go camping and build a cabin in the future or something like that. It's really easy to sell land when you get it this cheap, 20 cents on the dollar. Okay, it can happen. So, all right, I went through a lot. I know I did. If you want some more help, guys, again, you can watch. I have a webinar where I teach how to do simple lease options at sloclass.com. Go to sloclass.com and that will take you to a page that looks like 
this and you can watch my webinar. You can get my course right now if you want, if you go to joemccall.com slash now, joemccall.com slash now. The course isn't cheap, but I can I split it up in payments and I don't charge penalty if you do it with payments. It's either 1500 bucks or three payments of $500. So if you want to do the payment plan, that's fine. It's an eight-week masterclass. I give you lots of checklists and summaries and fast start guides. So if you don't want to wait until all the modules are released, you get everything with a fast start guide. You can start doing deals right away. And I, this is the main thing I want to talk about here. I have a six month completion challenge. You go through the class, set up your business and you get hundred percent of your investment back. So the way that it works is you have six months to go through the class set up the systems and start marketing and talking to sellers and making offers. And if you can show me that you've done that within six months, I will give you 100% of your $1,500 back. Why would I do that? Number one, I look at it as an, an investment in my most valuable asset, which is you, my customers. And if you're happy, then you might buy some other stuff that I sell in the future. And that's great. I also get a great testimonial from it, which helps me sell more courses. And number three, the biggest reason is I'm hoping some of you will bring me deals and partner with me on deals. I partner with students on deals. Now you have to be a student to partner with me on a deal. You have to get it under contract. You send it to my office. If it's a good deal, we'll get on the phone and we'll partner with you on it and split it 50-50. You might find a lease option deal. You might find a vacant land deal, but we can partner on it. I also have three months of REI Simple for free. I do three group coaching calls a month and I have a private Facebook group. I do onboarding coaching calls with all new members. You, we can. You know, there's opportunities for you to, for us to review your offers and partner with you on deals. We'll, we give a thousand bonus leads from Zillow. We also give 10 free hours of virtual assistant work. We have a virtual assistant resource center in there with 10 free hours of virtual assistant work. Um, you can hire my VAs and my team. It's a pretty good deal. I got hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of testimonials on here. I need to update it with more, but I got a bunch of them. It's a, a 1,500 or three payments of 500 because I'm telling you guys, lease options are going to be really important as we're going forward into this. If you're interested, again, go to um, joemccall.com slash now, joemccall.com slash now. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do here is, again, if you want this mind map, it's not available right now, but after this webinar is done, I'm going to use this link and you can get this mind map at joemccall.com slash spring 2020, joemccall.com slash spring 2020. By the way, did you know that yesterday was the first day of spring? Not a lot of you knew that, right? Because you've been listening to all the negative news and nobody's talking about the positive, exciting things. We got flowers growing out in our backyard right now. All right. I'm going to look at your comments here and answer any questions you guys have. Do my best to answer any questions you might have. Somebody's asking, what's the difference between sandwich lease options and wholesaling lease options? Is that what the question is? Uh, well, sandwich lease options where you stay in the middle of the deal and a wholesaling lease option is where you just flip it and assign it. You get out of the deal. All right. Do you think that lease options will be the most profitable thing right now? I don't know about right now. It is profitable right now, but the most profitable thing right now, I don't, I don't know. But I think it will be over the next 6 to 12 to 24 months. Yes. I was just talking to John Jackson the other day, one of my friends who taught me lease options at the very beginning. And uh, we were talking about doing deals you know, back in 08 and 09 and 2010 and 2011. And he's been doing lease options a lot longer than I have. And he said the same thing. Man, those were the days. I mean, that's when we did the most deals back then, when sellers were nervous and motivated and there was very little competition. It was hard to wholesale, right? but lease options were easy. So, oh, somebody else is correcting me. Today is the first day of spring. All right, sorry. I must have got that from NPR, some liberal news stations or something like that. Won't everyone just jump on lease options right now? And won't that, will that stop, what will stop them from this transition? Uh, hands, that's just not the case. Ever since I've been in the business doing deals since 2005, you would think, yeah, 
like lease options. And the, the thing I showed you with vacant land, you're like, man, that's amazing. Like, why isn't everybody doing land? Why isn't everybody doing lease options? Why isn't everybody doing wholesaling right now? Um, it's just not going to happen. It's not that way. And here's the cool thing too, Hans, you can do these deals virtually in any market. So if for whatever reason, your market does get too competitive for lease options, well, then you've got five others that you can choose from in your own backyard, probably in your own state or in states uh, surrounding you. Okay, what's the difference between my simple lease options course and my wholesaling lease options course? So my wholesaling lease options course is not available anymore. I used to have three different lease option courses, virtual lease options, wholesaling lease options, and sandwich lease options. I combined them all into one simplified course called simple lease options. That's the difference. I updated it a little while ago and I'm constantly updating. I just uploaded a brand new video last week, right before I left for Colorado. I will put a recording of this on the same page, guys. If you go to um, joemccall.com slash spring2020, not the that link is not working right now. So go ahead and go there. Nothing's going to happen. But in about an hour or two or three, sometime by the this evening, I will get this mind map and the video of this call at joemccall.com slash spring2020. Okay. Thank you, guys. Is this Has this been helpful for you guys? Okay. Some of you are giving me error messages saying, yeah, that link doesn't work. I know it doesn't work yet because I don't, I have not put this mind map on the on that page yet. So we will be up there by the end of this evening. Okay, Greg is asking, what do you do when a for sale by owner thinks his property is way more valuable than what you're seeing in the comps? Make the offer anyway and give them time to cook. Sellers sometimes just need time to cook and you have to wait. Give them, send them an offer anyway, follow up with them and they just may need time to turn around. And maybe they're right. Maybe they can sell the property for what they think it's worth. Well, good for them. That's why, Greg, I always offer to sellers, I always say, listen, you should probably just list it with a realtor. I pull away. Barbara, good question. Should we do the pre-screening text messages or just cold call? Fizbos and rentals that we find on Zillow. I don't know. The, uh, do, do whatever works best for you. The goal is to talk to five sellers a day. Five sellers a day. That's what you want to talk to. Okay. Come on guys. Some of you all are saying, Hey, I thought the first day of spring was 21st of March. And now somebody else is saying, no, it is March 19th. You are right. So what is it? When is the first day of spring? Some of you are telling me March 20th, 19th and the 21st. So what, what is it? Okay, Chuck, good question. If we don't inspect the inside of the house, how do you know if it needs a lot of repairs before the tenant buyer moves in? Well, Chuck, number one, I send somebody to go take pictures or I have the seller send me pictures. Okay. Also, when I start advertising the property, my buyers are going to tell me what, what's going on with the house. So my buyers tell me. And if it's in worse shape than I thought, I just go back to the seller, renegotiate or cancel a contract. It's not a big deal. I don't lose any money. I'm not putting anything down. I'd put down maybe 10 bucks, 100 bucks on these deals. What is the best state to do lease options in? All of them. Now in Texas, you can't do sandwich lease options in Texas, but you can do lease options assignments in Texas. <laughs> John. Okay, John, I apologize. He says, other than your communist comments, I loved everything you said today. Thank you. Can I lease option a deal from a property manager? As long as the owner's willing to do it, yes. And so my land, uh, the, the land stuff that I talk about, it's just a module in my course. So I do not have a separate course for doing land. I'd recommend you check out uh, Jack Bosch. He has a really good course called Land Profit Generator. Mark Podolsky from uh, The Land Geek has some good courses on it. There's a Land Academy. They've got some good stuff on it. Seth Williams has a good course on land, um, RE Tipster. I would uh, recommend you check out Jack Bosch, Land Profit Generator. Okay, how much is DataTree? It depends. You know, I pay $300 a month, but I get to download 10,000 records a month. Okay, Patricia has clarified. Yesterday was the first day of spring. It's the earliest day in 147 years, but it ended today. The first day of spring ended on the 20th. So it's, <laughs> it started on the 19th, ended on the 20th. Interesting. Patricia, thank you. 
Thank you, Steve. That's awesome. Appreciate it. Oh, I'm getting somebody else that's saying don't badmouth liberals. I'm not, okay. I don't. My intent of this webinar was not to offend people. I usually do that pretty well, but I am, I apologize if I offended any of my liberal friends. God, by the way, guys, did you know that God is not a Democrat or a Republican? Did you know that God is not a Republican? I was just reading this in the Bible the other day. Joshua was leading the people of Israel into Canaan, right? And uh, he just crossed the Jordan River, and this big, huge dude all of a sudden appeared to him with a huge sword in his hand, right? And Joshua came up to him and said, who are you? Are you a friend or a foe? And the guy says, neither. I'm the captain of the Lord's armies. And take off your sandals because this is holy ground. I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's God's perspective, I think, a lot of times, especially when it comes to politics. You know, he's not, he doesn't come to um, pick sides. He comes to take over. He doesn't come to take sides. He comes to take over. So I know I just offended more people by saying that, but that's what I think. So if you are easily offended, then you, you have some things you need to work on. What's the difference between your lease options course and the Z code? Now, the Z code is just the course on how to find leads on Zillow. My lease options course is what to do with those leads when you find them. For your lease options business or your land business, how critical is your website? Good question, David. Is this a David that I know, by the way? If it is, what's up? <laughs> but the, the David that I know in St. Louis, who goes to my church. Anyway, elite websites are important. In fact, I have an interview next week with a new friend of mine. His name is Jesse, and he's got a great company called REI Conversion. REI Conversion. Look up their, their website, reiconversion.com, and they have really nice websites, and I'm going to be interviewing him. So websites are important, especially once you start selling properties. Can subject to deals work in these times? Yes, but again, I don't, I'd rather control, not own properties and subject twos, you own properties. And I just feel like they're bad. They're harder to get out of. Okay, guys, I'm just going to go through these questions just for a couple more minutes because we have already been over two hours. Somebody said, I thought the Z code was a cure for the zombie virus. <laughs> Z code, that's funny. The Z code was um, just a course on how to find leads from Zillow. Boy, you guys are asking a ton of really good questions and I'm just I don't have the time to go through them. Uh, Eric, the answer to your question is yes. Okay. Uh, by the way, I do teach Aaron, Aaron Brown to answer your question. I do teach how to do lease options in Texas in my class. All right, guys. I appreciate it. I'm going to put a recording of this in the uh, joemccall.com slash spring 2020, joemccall.com slash spring 2020. Um, again, if you want my course, uh, go watch my webinar at sloclass.com, sloclass.com, or you can just skip the webinar. Go to joemccall.com slash now, and you get your money back when you set up your business in six months. Okay, guys, hope this has been helpful to you, and we will see you all later. Take care. Bye-bye.